Happy Friday, everybody. Hopefully you're enjoying the beautiful weather we have been having and you are queued in to Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, your host, football analyst and salary reporter, joined now by my favorite book reader of all, Drew Doherty. What's going on? Drew, I don't know if you want to share with the people what you did this morning, but I, I, I got to admit I'm envious. Yeah, it's uh, you know what, I will because I've gone... And I've already combed through things, but the Spring Branch Memorial Library had their annual book plant sale, mm-hmm. and uh, I was there at 10, 10 o'clock. That place was straight banging. It was crawling with people, looking uh, looking through used books, fifty cent paperbacks, dollar hardbacks, and I loaded up for five dollars and fifty cents. So yeah, that's pretty good. When I mean, I went back with the kids and my fa- and my wife, and uh, we got some children's books too. It's just easier to go. By yourself, if you want to, of course, pure book shopping, especially when you have. I kids still read. I still age. read. Full uh, disclosure. You know, I, one thing that has always impressed me about you, and I and I love this. Before we go on a road trip, you will print out articles. Yep. You'll print them out. The environmentalists just, out there getting mad, but, but if you recycle the paper, it's okay. It's yep. not that bad. But you print out a bunch of articles and then you read them once we get on a plane, mm-hmm. and I, I find that fascinating. I, I just ever it's. I used to love reading books. I don't know if it's just because when we get into season, I just don't feel like I have time for it or don't stop myself to be able to do it or I have anything that I want to read at that point. But I, I'm i envious. I see you do that. and I'm like, God, it's a really good idea. I wish I did that. So, yeah, it's stuff that I don't have time to read during the week because yeah. it's, it's usually long-form stuff. And yeah. So when I'm on the bus going to the, ga- going to the airport and then on the plane, I'll yeah. read it. Yeah. You're good that way. Thanks, man. You know who's also good? Uh, the quarterbacks, the yeah, hopefully not the quarterbacks in on the Texans schedule this year, and it got me thinking because you and I have talked about this before about the 2018 schedule. Now the schedule itself, the actual nights, time I don't know if times will be some of them if they're if they're night games, but the days and times and the schedule will come out in April, usually about mm-hmm. mid mid April, about late, yeah. a couple weeks before the draft, typically. So NFL. Even though March Madness has done a pretty good job of commandeering the the eye back on it, Tiger Woods is taking the eye from it. The NFL does a pretty good job of okay, February combine, March free agency, April draft what's the next and thing? Schedule. Yeah, drafting the schedule, and everybody wants to see the schedule. It's funny because I never I never remember the schedule being a big deal. Maybe even like seven eight years ago. I mean it was, but it really wasn't. Now it's. Hey, seven o'clock. Yeah, you got to tune in because you got to see where the team's playing. It's road games. You got to see what uh, primetime games the team has. It's always been a big deal for us working on the me- the sport, right. the team media site. Right. Uh, it's always been a big deal for us because it's one of the tent pole events. It's one of the the main traffic drivers. Really, the schedule yep. that page gets more views than anything. It does uh, that and the roster. So I view it big deal. Really I view big it deal. probably about fifteen twenty times because sure. I forget the schedule sometimes. Uh, at that point. But the one thing we do know, the teams the Texans will play this year. We know they're matched up with the NFC East. Mm-hmm. We know they're matched up with the AFC East. Yep, They have, obviously, their games in division, and then they're matched up with two fourth-place teams from last year, Denver Broncos and the Cleveland Browns. So if there was any good news to come out of last year, it was the fact that at 4-12, and losing twice to the Colts, they got a fourth-place schedule. So instead of playing... Oakland and Cincinnati. Yeah, they'll play Denver and Cleveland. So we you know, do it, know who they'll play. And I kind of think I kind of think Denver and Cleveland are going to be better than I Oakland do, and Cincinnati. 
there's a potential. I think Oakland steps back into it with kind of riding Gruden, uh, that energy for a little bit. I think that will help. I think that will help them initially. So I think they'll bounce back. Cleveland's going to be much better than people think. Mm-hmm. And it starts at the top. And that's why I got me. it got me thinking about this, uh, this topic of, okay, here are the teams you're going to play. You're going to face 13 quarterbacks this year. Now – it's a pretty good list. It's John. a it's a pretty decent list when you look at the quarterbacks they're going to face, in particular the teams over in the NFC East. But I say all that thinking about what the Texans faced last year, uh-huh. and almost more importantly, what they faced in 2016. If you remember 2016, the Texans had a stretch where they went to Jacksonville, they faced Bortles. Now Bortles, Bortles was coming off a really good 2015, so there's a thought. But they faced Bortles, and he threw an interception off his foot. He did that season. He threw a, a, a foot fumble. Mm-hmm. Fumble? Is that what you call it? Now, Brock thrumbled one. An interfumble. He fumbled one? Either way. A interception. They played Blake Bortles, then went to Mexico City and played Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Then came back home and faced Philip Rivers. Then went on the road and faced Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. And then the following week faced Andrew Luck. That's pretty good. That's a pretty salty group of quarterbacks. Now, last year, the Texans faced... And I don't remember who all went to the Pro Bowl, but these were the names that stood out of the list that they played. Now, obviously, they didn't face Andrew Luck, but they faced Bortles and Mariota twice. But they faced Russell Wilson on the road. Super Bowl winner. They faced Tom Brady on the road. Super Bowl winner. They faced Jared Goff on the road. Pro Bowler. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo here, which is sort of a revelation, but people think he's one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league now. Yep. Ben Roethlisberger here Super on Christmas Day. Yep. So those five names stood out to me, and I was like, wow. There was a couple other names now. Joe they Flacco. Also faced Joe, Joe Flacco. Flacco. elite, won a Super Bowl. Alex Smith, who looked like an MVP candidate, at least yep. through the, the first part of the year. That's when the Texans caught him. They faced Andy Dalton up in Cincinnati again. Mm-hmm. And then they faced here at home, they faced, they faced Blaine Gabbert for the Cardinals, and they faced Kevin Hogan. Yeah. So That worked in I, your favor. When I – thought about that list, I thought, hmm, that's that's a pretty salty list because with Wilson, Brady, Goff, Roethlisberger, you had five, and I believe they all made the Pro Bowl, I believe. Mm-hmm. Alex Smith made the Pro Bowl. What am I saying? That, he was another one. So you're talking about six legit guys. Now, you look at the schedule in 2018, and you start in the NFC East. You're going to face Wentz. Or Foles. Don't know when. Just to, It may depend on when you play the Eagles. One of them was basically an MVP. Yep. The and, other won the Super Bowl. Right. So that's a pretty good matchup. Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboys, you'll face him here. Solid quarterback. Alex Smith, you'll face again, but you'll do it in Washington. Mm-hmm. Now as a member of the Washington Redskins. Yep. And then with the Giants, you face Eli Manning, which I think that could be, really could be hit or miss, he's to never, be honest. He's, you've never beaten him. you never never beaten him, and he... Well, at least you haven't beaten him the last two times you played him. Did you beat him in 06? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. My guess would be no. Right. But I don't recall that. But then you face Eli Manning. Now, Eli, in 2014 when the Texans went up to New York to face him, he had looked miserable for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden he got it together yep. and looked good. And I think the Giants would be better. They've added a couple of pieces, Nate Solder obviously being one. I think they'll draft another really good offensive line at some point. They got the number two pick. They could parlay that into other picks, but – it could be Eli Manning, maybe a rookie. I doubt it. I think it's going to end up being Eli, and I think we'll end up playing that game in September. I don't know what tells me that, but every time that I can remember the Texans facing them in 10 and 14 Yeah, they were September games. Yeah. They September games, so I would imagine that game will be here in September, so that probably means Eli Manning. Now, 
In the AFC East, I'm going to save that one because that one gets right. interesting. The two crossover games you have with the fourth-place teams. Browns. The Browns, you're going to face Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor. Or, if it's later in the season, could be could be a rookie. Somebody they've drafted. Now, we faced the Browns last year in week six, right before the bye. And they went with Kevin Hogan. They've been going with Deshaun Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser, and then they went with Kevin Hogan. Yeah. It was a bad move. Kevin looked terrible. And they went back to Kaiser after that for the rest of the year. Now, Kaiser ends up in Green Bay, so he won't be the guy. But Tyrod Taylor or I put Sam Darnold because I think the Browns will end up taking Sam Darnold number one. Mm-hmm. It'll be one of those two. Now, Tyrod knows how to win. There's no question he can do some things out of the pocket. Beat you two three years ago in 15 That's when right. he went he up to you, Buffalo. Yeah. He beat you in 2015. I make the argument that Shady McCoy beat you. But then again, Tyrod Taylor, Dev, you know what? Now I say game. that. Tyrod had a good game, and you also had a good game uh, with Sammy Watkins. Yep. Sammy had a great game. The Denver crossover game, which will be in Denver, is Case Keenum. And he had a great 2017. We all know that. He has not obviously established himself as a legit. Full-time, he's the guy starter. And some people say, well, what about this year? Well, let's see what Denver does at number five in the draft. Mm-hmm. And all to me you got to do is look at a contract. Case got two years and $35, $36 million. That's don't, don't get me wrong. That's good money. But if he's your franchise quarterback, you would have given him four or five years. Yeah. And you would have given him a little bit more per year. But nevertheless, no but, you know, you've seen what he can do both yes. on your team here yes. and then in Minnesota. And he's a very, very capable guy. You're not going up there – and facing a tomato can. This guy no, can there's beat no, you. There's he's, no doubt. He's definitely capable of beating you. Long-term future, who knows? But, yeah, he, he can he can get the job done, uh, and, and you got got to be wary. I put it on par with facing Flacco or Dalton. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I put it on par with facing Absolutely. Flacco or Dalton. Absolutely. Now, the AFC East gets interesting because, again, Texans have got to go to New England and the Jets this year, and they get Buffalo-Miami coming here. Got to face Brady again. Yep. Oh, Brady is Brady. But the rest of the AFC East gets interesting. The Jets, it's Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, or a rookie. The Bills, it's A.J. McCarron, or a rookie. And the Miami Dolphins, it is Ryan Tannehill, or a rookie. That's where I think you can make up some ground a little bit in these crossover games with the AFC East. Because the NFC East, as we mentioned, Wentz, Dak, Alex Smith, Eli Manning. you got to feel good if you come out of there, I think, two and two. Against against that group, win win the home games, and it would be nice to steal one on the road. But the Texans haven't won a game. How about this? The Texans have not won a game on the road against an NFC team since 2012. That's amazing. Since 2012, they've not beaten an NFC team on the road. So it would be nice. But it's the Eagles in Philly. It's the Redskins in Washington. Those are the two on the road. <sighs> I don't think it. It's not not going to be easy to do that. But either way, uh, you're not. You're definitely not bringing a knife to a gunfight this year if everybody stays healthy. So that's a little different than the last couple of years going to Seattle without Watt Merciless, going last year to L.A. without anybody really at that who, point. Who do you see for the Jets? Is it all about timing of year when the Texans play them? Or is it, the Jets? Yeah, who, yeah I think, think it could. Do you think it – I mean, does Bridgewater really – I think we could see a natural progression there from Josh McCown early in the season. Things don't maybe go so well. Todd Bowles looking to try and keep his job. Goes to Bridgewater because he doesn't think yeah. the rookie's quite ready. Bridgewater gets a couple of weeks. That doesn't work. And then they realize, we just got to go to the rookie. Yeah. And then at that point, it all becomes, can the rookie step in and do enough to save Todd Bowles' job, Mike McCagney's job, all that kind of stuff. So, yes, I absolutely do think. I think the Jets is all about the time of year. I think the Dolphins, all about the time of year. And I think the Bills could be all about the time of year. 
Last year, the Bears signed uh, Glennon. Uh, Mike Glennon, Glennon, and Glennon ends up getting, what, four or five games, if that, and then they go to Trubisky, and Trubisky's the guy the rest of the year. He's the future. They jettison Glennon. He gets his money, gets his check, and a thank you, and a handshake, and he's out the door. I think that sort of happens with A.J. McCarron, although I think McCarron's probably got more starter potential than Glennon, I, th- I think. But then again, I've never been a huge fan of A.J. McCarron as a pro, and I think if teams had been, he would have been a fifth-round pick a few years ago. So from that perspective, he's going to get his shot, but I think it's going to be sort of like Mike Glennon. I think he is going to get a few games. Yeah. But then I think they turn it over to rookie. So I think that Buffalo one ends up being – so. What I think ends up happening is if – and I remember 2015, I think it was. The Texans got all of their NFC South games up front. They got Atlanta. They got Carolina in week two, Atlanta in week four. Oh, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay in week three, Atlanta in week four. And then New Orleans was And then New Orleans was a little bit later. Yeah. New Orleans was one that was a little bit later. So with the NFC East, I would imagine they're going to get those games early on. I think these AFC East games, they're going to get pushed back a little bit like in 15. And so they got – they got Brady at home. Now, obviously, we have to go to New England for that one. Why are we always going to New England? This one is because it's in the rotation. Yeah. In 2015, we played here. 2018, we got to go there. But, but you know what? Played last 16 time, and 17 because we were matched up with them. But you know what? Top team in the division. Last time you went to New England, as opposed to all the other times before that, you go into the fourth quarter and you're scratching and clawing to try and get within 20, 30 points. Yeah. Last time. You were up Should've on it, and you game. extended your lead with about two and two minutes and change to go. But yeah, should have won a game. Brady came back, did his did his thing. So Texans missed some opportunities defensively. So the one thing that may answer this question, Drew, which do you think is a more difficult quarterback schedule to face this year, or last year? Uh, I'm going to say push because last year you faced four guys who'd won Super Bowls, mm-hmm. but this year. You've got guys on the rise, I think, in Wentz. Dak. Dak, yeah, yeah. I think the Browns upgraded with Tyrod yep. Taylor or whoever they, they send out there. I think um, Keenum's a better a better one than uh, – who was who there? Uh, Flacco? I, I'd, I'd take Keenum over Flacco right yeah. now. And then, I don't know. It's like you said, the, the AFC East with Tannehill, like the, the non-Patriots ones, yeah. it could all just be – Really, really ugly for them, or right. it could be pretty, pretty solid. But then Manning, you've never won up there, and it looks like they're going to be better. I don't know. I think it's kind of a push. And here's the deciding factor this year. Here's the deciding factor to me, in some sense, if Andrew Luck plays. Right, right. If Andrew Luck plays, then I think this one becomes. I think this one becomes a more stringent quarterback schedule. I do think there are some places where you can take advantage of teams, those AFC East teams. If you you know if you get McCown or Bridgewater or whatever you know that's an AFC East game that you can win on the road mm-hmm. against the Jets and you need you need to win that game on the yeah. road facing Keenum I think that's going to be tough but obviously the Broncos still got to make some moves but I still think the Broncos are I think they're on the back end of that 2015 championship year and they're still sliding a little bit but I think Keenum slows that a little bit but again I think that could also depend on when you you catch them if you catch them early in the year. When Case really is still kind of incorporating the offense and learning all that kind of stuff and getting yeah. getting where he needs to be with Sanders and with uh, Demarius Thomas, you know who knows. Where I that think team's that's a be. little bit what happened in 2012. The Texans were really rolling early yeah. on in the season. Yep. Peyton Manning was 
still finding his footing there. Yeah. And Great point. they jump out to a five nothing lead, oddly enough, the, the Broncos do. <laughs> and then the the Texans just the roof caved in on, yeah. on the Broncos. Texans I mean, they went deep to Kevin Walter, they went deep to Andre Johnson, they kinda controlled the game. Were it not for an interception late by Shaw mm-hmm. in the first half, yeah. Texans probably cruised to a two touchdown win. Yeah. As it was, I think they won by seven, eight, nine points. Yep. Kind of got a little bit close at the end. But I think that was the most impressive game I ever saw Texans team yeah, play. Yeah, they looked I mean, really was, good on the road. That was really good. Mm-hmm. That was very good. Drew, appreciate it, my man. Anytime, Thank you. dude. Welcome in, everybody, and happy Friday to you from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. It is Texans All Access. I'm your host this Friday evening, John Harris, football analyst and Southern reporter. Joined now by my cohort in crime each and every Sunday, Monday. We just need Andre Warren here. Mm-hmm. It's the voice of the Texans. Mark Vandermeer. Mark, happy Friday to you. Oh, yes. It's always happy on a Friday. What and Friday is it? Drew and I drafted days on our In the Lab podcast. If you, uh, <laughs> no, you didn't. You drafted <laughs> days? Yeah, we drafted when days. When did Tuesday come in? What was the lowest rated T- day? Tuesday was the day that didn't get drafted. It didn't even get drafted. Didn't even get drafted. Like, how many rounds did you? <laughs> well, we, we drafted. There's two of us, so we, we drafted uh, three days each. And, and I and Tuesday wasn't even drafted. It was Tuesday wasn't even drafted. Oh my gosh! All right. So what was last? What was the last pick? Monday. Uh, see, I didn't have a problem Monday. I I sort of <laughs> treated it like you know when you played Monopoly back in the day. I this never is great. I never went after the blues. <laughs> I went after the greens, and so yeah. I tried to corner the market on the greens. And so I got, I got Saturday. <laughs> No, what did I get? I got Friday, Friday Sunday, Monday. Friday's, I got Friday, Sunday, Monday. Friday's the number one pick. Yeah, Friday was the number one pick. Because, he, you know, like people say, well, I got to work on Friday. Yeah, you do. And, look, uh, we, it doesn't apply to us. No. I mean, we we are not bragging. I guess we're work bragging here. Yeah, sort of. We love what we do so much. But I think no matter what you do, Friday, that anticipation of the weekend and then yeah. – you know, and this is, assumes that you don't work on the weekend, okay? And right. I know that many people do work on the weekend, so whatever. I can't really help you there. But that, you know, getting out of work thing on Friday and Friday night, knowing you have two full days, it goes to show you, Johnny, the joys in the journey in life. Yes, If Friday's going to be the number one pick in your day draft, mm-hmm. uh, that says a lot about anticipation and buildup and the looking forward to aspect of things. Yes. I think it's very important in life. Thank I picked you. Friday Sunday and Monday, and Sunday for that very reason, because on Sunday you have you have obviously games during the season. Yes. So those are fantastic. Out of the season, you've got, you know, if Tiger Woods is playing great, you've got uh, mm-hmm. Sunday in golf. You've got right. NCAA tournament always, you know, kind of sure. ending on Sunday, getting to the Final Four, all that kind of stuff. So that was uh, that was our uh, oh, day NCAA draft. tournament ends on a Monday, actually. So you're well, wrong I mean, there. to get to the Final Four. Oh, so the Elite Eight. Yes, Elite Eight. By the way, eight congratulations to uh, Leonard Hamilton in the Elite Eight for the first time ever How in his that? career. Because I had him that? at Miami, and now he's been at Florida State for a gazillion years. And I was like, Leonard's never been to the Elite Eight with Florida State, right? Absolutely not. This is the first time I was watching. First time Florida State's been in there since '93 with Bobby Sura and Charlie Ward, former Rocket Bob Sura, who and Sam Cassell. I really enjoyed watching Sura play as a Rocket. There was something about him, and obviously Sam Cassell, great player. I mean, they've had some good ones there. Yeah, but they get in. So (laughs) Florida State gets in. 
Michigan puts on a performance for the ages. The way that Michigan shot the ball last night was unbelievable. Can I say something about my Aggie friends who I love so Go much? Ahead. I, I, I love for this. Go. Yesterday, the day before, the day before that, they were like, <laughs> they're like, oh, we can win the whole thing now because you know oh, you get, everybody no. was saying that. Name a team. My my biggest thing about this whole tournament, and I said this back in January, February. You heard me. Was this is the most wide open I've ever it seen it? Totally, and it clearly proved to be the case because a 16 beat a one now maybe you know whatever happens from here but going into the sweet 16 i said pick a team that's going to win four in a row you can't right. do it yeah. you can't do it somebody's going to do it but you can't pick it it's yeah. it's too difficult it's, it's so wide open point. so to think that yeah we can look i'm not saying i predicted they would get blown out but you cannot think you have this stuff in the bag and they no. were really overconfident i thought uh, a, a lot of my Aggie friends, and you just got to be careful with that stuff. I mean, even a team like Villanova, you would think, hey, they've been through the fire. They won this thing a couple years ago. Villanova's got to get through West Virginia first mm-hmm. and then play the winner of Texas Tech-Purdue. Now, Purdue with Isaac Haas and the elbow and all that, we don't know. Probably not going to play, but still, you got to get through those. you got to get through Press Virginia first, and then you got to get Press through those, those two physical teams. Did you see when West Virginia played Marshall? Did you see our buddy? Our buddy Jim which, Justice, which the one? governor. Oh, the the gov. He was wearing he was wearing a tie. <laughs> he had it was green striped. It was cut. Then he had blue and gold striped. Beautiful. Then it was cut, and it had green and white at the bottom. I mean, you talk about having to play both sides. And he said yeah. that everybody in his family had gone to Marshall. He had gone to Marshall. His family had gone to Marshall. His kids had gone to Marshall. Everybody had gone to Marshall. I was like, "Well, that's gonna be tough." But the Mountaineers are still the state oh, program. Yeah. yeah, there's no, there's no question. All right, Mark, we do this every year when this comes around. Mm-hmm. The annual league meeting coming up. They're going to be in Orlando next correct. week. Is that correct? And you will be there, right? I will be there. All right, good. There are ten potential playing rules changes for the 2018 season. Ten. All right. Now, some of these, I think. We've talked about a few of these already, but I like this one. Number two, suggested by the competition committee, changes the standard for a catch. We've talked about that mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, I, I'll i be curious to see it in practice as opposed to in theory, but it feels like, and I read this somewhere, and I think this is absolutely true, it feels like they looked at what they thought were a catch, and then they said, okay, what can we then apply? And they kind of work backwards yeah. into what a catch is going to be. Yeah. That's kind of what they did. And I, I don't have a problem with that. So they've changed the standard for a catch. So the Jesse James catch would be a catch. And a win. Mm-hmm. And think of how that win changes everything. It changes NFL history. Everything. everything. It changes everything. Because now Jacksonville is going to New England yeah. in the division round, not the AFC yeah. Championship. And then Pittsburgh is probably going to play Jacksonville, and obviously Jacksonville showed what they could do against Pittsburgh at Hines Field. So that's number probably two. Probably going to play Jacksonville. You think Jacksonville's going to beat New England in New England? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe, maybe okay. not. Who knows? I have so many things I need to throw at you, but I'll do that another time. Okay. Anyway, go on. Number one. All right. Makes permanent the playing rule that changes the spot of the next snap after a touchback resulting from a free kick to the 25. Basically kickoff or a free kick. They're going to the 25. It's Yeah, it was an experimental yeah. kind of thing. Now that was the one thing permanent. we never – I don't think we talked about too much. It was an experimental rule. This is going to happen. Makes the penalties – number three. Number two is changes standard for a catch. Number three, by the competition committee, makes the penalties for illegal batting and kicking the same. Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number four, from the L.A. Chargers. Mm-hmm. Amends rule 15, section 2, article 5. 
to add fouls for roughing the passer and fouls against players in a defenseless posture as reviewable plays in the instant replay system. Oh, boy. Now that becomes very interesting. All right, I don't know if you heard McLean last night on the show, but he said he wants everything reviewable, even non-calls, which you I, cannot do that. Wow, there's no way. But the game will reviewable take five hours. with a challenge, though, with a challenge flag. So you can use a challenge to review it. I'm not in favor of non-calls, but calls, yes, I can go there. Now, holding, I'm not so sure. Yeah. I'm not so sure about that. Pass interference, yes, please. I want to be able to review pass interference, and I want to be able to review late hits on the quarterback. I want to be able to do this. I think it's an incredibly difficult game to officiate. They all are. Look, we yeah. talked about basketball. Yeah. Are you kidding? Oh. Try try officiating your kids' basketball game, 10-year-olds, and you'll you'll start sobbing it's so difficult. Oh. To do it right, to do it accurately, it maybe sobbing's too much of a way to No, sobbing's it, good. Yeah, sobbing's no, it's right. good. But the point is this. It's incredibly difficult. I want it reviewable. I'm in favor of the L.A. Chargers proposal. That is – it's something they do in – in college football. Now, some will say, well, hey, college football takes five hours. Well, one of the things, one of the reasons why is because they review everything. They review everything, and on top of the fact that they stop the clock after first downs, which they don't need yeah. to. They don't need to. They can do it in the last two minutes of half, which I wish the NFL would do. I me would. too. That's, I wish they would let the them stop. Page there. I've been yeah. proposing that for years. They don't listen to me. Number five, by the Washington Redskins yeah. to add review of personal fouls as reviewable plays in the instant replay system. It's sort of building off of what the Chargers. Had, do to, had done, so I think I'm okay with that. Do it, especially since personal fouls can get you eventually ejected yep. from the game. Number six by the New York Jets. Change the enforcement for defensive pass interference. Now, apparently this one is going to fall on deaf ears, it sounds mm-hmm. like. But, I and I don't know if it was the Jets' recommendation, and I don't, I don't see it here, but the thought that an official would have to determine, okay, did that guy, was that, like a basketball, is that right. what they call that? A clear path. clear path foul. Okay, that's a clear path foul. That would end up. Well, the thing is, if it's a clear path foul, where are you going to spot the ball? Because if you've beaten me in a double move, yeah, you're probably within 10 to 12 yards of the line of scrimmage. Mm. I'm going to grab you right there. You're not going anywhere. So where does the clear path foul go? Half the distance. You know what I'm saying? Half that, the distance. That gets tricky. That gets real tricky. So either go to a 15-yarder or leave it the way it is. I don't know that you can get caught in between on that. Yeah, as I say, the half the distance, no, it doesn't apply because, like, let's say you're dragged out at the one. Yeah. You should be able to get to the one. And yeah. It's a clear path kind of foul. I think there should be some sort of, I'm going to word it incorrectly here, but flagrant pass interference yeah. spot foul. I think that, and I brought this up with the general last night. Remember, once upon a time, there was no five-yard defensive holding penalty. It was either pass interference or bust. Right, right. You didn't have defensive holding, right? Right. right. You didn't have that kind or of thing. Or illegal, illegal, illegal contact. contact. Yeah, yeah, illegal contact, whatever, you know, beyond the five-yard zone. and You didn't have that. So I am in favor of the 15 yards, but I want some sort of flagrant pass interference. He dragged the guy down, and now they're going to get the ball at the spot of the foul penalty. You have to word that differently, but I'd like that in there, please. And I want it reviewable. Make it reviewable as we well. We talk about this all the time on Sunday. CFL has it reviewable. Mm-hmm. The CFL has it reviewable. Yes. Pass interference is reviewable. It's going to happen, Johnny. It's go- I don't Not this year, but it's going to happen. You're going to be able to review pass interference. Well, I think with technology, people are watching at home going, oh, they blew that call. That's I mean, they the can p- see it. I mean, that's that's the hard part. That's the hard part in all this. High-definition television has everything. made officiating tougher than ever. Oh, you question no it more. You I mean, We're able to watch it in slow-mo. How could you miss that look? Yeah. Well, it's very easy to miss it in live action. Run it 
at full speed and see if you catch it, even on a screen like that. Here's Now, here's one that becomes interesting. By the competition committee, confirms the amount of time in which a team must challenge a play if there is a television commercial break following the play in question. And that happened to the Texans, did it not? I'm trying one of the games that we had gone to a commercial break and OB wanted to challenge a play. And he waited. And they waited and they waited and they waited and they waited. And then when they came back out, they lined back up. Then he challenged it. So they're saying that with a commercial break, there's a certain amount of time with which they've got to challenge that play, it sounds like. Which mm-hmm. I like it. I like I like the thought. I, I mean I want to see what it what happens to it in in theory, it sounds good. You know what's interesting? But, During that commercial break, it's not like they're seeing extra replays because they're not. No. no. I mean, unless they're watching on their phone, but I doubt it. I got it at home. I've got it on Xfinity, on my Xfinity app. <laughs> it, seriously, what's to stop an assistant coach yeah, yeah, from, yeah. from reviewing it on his Xfinity no, app? That's a good point. In the booth and saying, and during that commercial break, say, you right. know what, we got to throw, yeah, we gotta throw the fly. And that's another thing, by the way. I would love, this is very doable, not cheap, but very doable. In the coach's box, you have a video coordinator who's able to run back all sorts of replay angles. This is going to For happen. the coaches. For the coaches. Yeah, yeah, for the coaches. This is yeah. going to happen. Eventually oh, th- this will happen. I think what also will happen, because I've seen this now in high schools too, mm-hmm. that you're going to have live video down on the sidelines eventually. Live video. You're going to have live video for the for the coaches to be able to look at and look at the play. You know how they just look at yeah, the but, pictures? Uh, but while the play clock is going on and he didn't make a, an assessment. Well, no, 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 no. I'm talking about. Review. No, no, no. I'm talking about oh, just, when uh, the offense comes off okay. the field. Instead of Polaroids. Right. Yeah, because the, once upon a time, I'm sure, you're looking at photographs right. on the sideline. Right. That's cheating to look at photographs, you know. Yeah. And now you can look at video on this. There's some. There are some. Uh, there's some states where high schools can do it. I don't think you can do it in Texas, really? but in Georgia you can. I, I don't understand what the problem would be since you can look at photos. You have coaches upstairs. What I never understood. The Spygate stuff, I've said this before. I've never understood what is so illegal about videotaping a, a, an opposing coach on and the And having sideline. to figure out the signs. What, what's so, wh- it's why just is because illegal? it was the Patriots and you know that. Why, why would that ever be illegal? He's out there. In public. It's not like you're in their locker room eavesdropping on them. But I guess that goes along the lines, what I'm bringing up, of stealing signs in baseball. Yeah. It's like, ooh, don't do that. Unwritten rules. Yeah, but you know they do it because like they put the Denny's menu in front of their face so they don't get their lips red. Yeah. Uh, they have, in college, they have the pictures on the sideline. I've got a picture of Marilyn Monroe, and I've got a, you know the Holy Grail. And Norman Rockwell, and you know whatever they put up there, yeah. you know crazy stuff. This DeAndre one, Hopkins, didn't yeah, do that. Yeah, Clemson had DeAndre Hopkins on theirs. This one I think will only be, this one will only be thought about by gamblers mm-hmm. and those who dabble in the dark arts. By competition committee eliminates the requirement that a team who scores a winning touchdown yes. at the end of regulation of a game to kick the extra point or go for a two-point conversion. Why was this ever there, gamblers? Why was this ever in place? <laughs> there you gamblers. go. That's there exactly was no it. other reason in the history of the world to have this in yeah. place other than that. There, there are going to be some people. If that goes through, I'm telling you, there are going to be some bad beats for people, there, and they're going to look back at that rule and go, well, "Last year's rule, I would have right. won." But that, you can do that with any rule because any rule affects the game. So no, you can right. do that with any rule. No, but I thought the Vikings-Saints ending was ludicrous. To bring the Saints back out, to have to, the Vikings come out and take a Silly. knee. It was the stupidest thing ever. Silly. It was just ridiculous. Call Mark, it over. Thank you very much. Enjoy your Friday. Thank you, Johnny. All right, coming up next, Drew Dory's going to stop by. 2018, the Texans play 13 quarterbacks. 
How do they compare to what they played in 2017? We'll talk about that next right here in Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris. Happy Friday to you all. Hopefully you have a beautiful, safe weekend. Hopefully we're going to get some good weather. You can get out, maybe get to Galveston, get to the beach, do some shopping, whatever you're going to do on a spring weekend. Hopefully this is the opportunity to do that. And I wanted to send you off in a little bit of a good mood hearing from two guys that are instrumental for this team heading into 2018. Tyron Matthew and Deshaun Watson. Now, Tyron caught up with Drew Doherty. We caught up with Tyron. We had a good long 10, 11-minute interview with him the day he was signed. But he also caught up with Drew Doherty. They hit in a couple other things as well. The Honey Badger spending some time with Drew Doherty right after he signed earlier this week. It's an exciting day for the Houston Texans' Tyron Matthew. It's official. How's it feel, man? I feel like I'm officially a Texan. I feel great, man. I'm excited about it. I can't wait to get to work. Well, I'm sure you noticed the love that you felt Friday night when this all went down, and really probably before that too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's exciting to be back down south, man. Um, so obviously it's a lot of LSU fans. Um, obviously Texas is a big football state, and um, you know I'm glad to be playing football back down south. And I'm happy to hear you bring that up because LSU and Houston, they've got a, a special connection. More LSU alumni in Houston than any other city aside from Baton Rouge. That's got to be nice for you, knowing that you got so many people just from your college back here, uh, you know, going to be cheering you on. Yeah, I, I think I picked the right spot, and um, you know, LSU fans—they travel pretty well. So, um, you know, I hope I can just come in here, man, put my hand in the pile, make some plays, and you know, um, do well for this team. Make some plays is the key word because there's a lot of other guys in addition to you that we've seen do that in the past. How exciting is that, knowing that you get to play with Whitney Merciless, Jadeveon Clowney, J.J. Watt, and some of those guys on the back end and the linebacking court? Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Um, you know, I've never played with a group quite like the D-line here uh, with Clowney, Watt, and uh, Merciless. Um, it's going to be fun, man. Um, and then playing with the vets in the secondary. And, you know, me and Aaron Colvin, we've worked out together the last couple of years. So uh, it's going to be fun reconnecting with him and, um, you know, just creating some chemistry and then trying to get this thing moving forward. Yeah, you bring up Colvin. That's a guy that's got a really interesting future, I think, because he's had a good past, and he's been on some great teams. What might you guys be able to do in tandem with J.J., in tandem with Kareem Jackson and Andre Howell? Well, you know, I think the, the versatility, you know, I think it speaks for itself. You know, I think Aaron, you know, he play inside. I, I know he wants to prove that he can play outside as well, and uh, you know, I know J.J. been in this league a while, and Kareem can go from outside to inside, and um, you know, I think we all bring that versatility to the table, and um, you know, I think in the end, it'll help us. What's What's the mindset when you know that you're going to a team that's coordinated by Romeo Cornell? Because he's seen everything. He's a creative guy. What What's the excitement level there for you? I'm extremely excited. Um, you know, I, I definitely think it played a part in, in me coming here. Um, you know, just being around him and, and Billy O and, you know, uh, having those guys, you know, relay that, that, that they're playing for me. And um, I'm excited about it. You said the word hungry in your press conference a few times. Give us a sense. How hungry? I mean, like, you haven't eaten for a couple of days, hungry. You uh, see some Whataburger. I mean, what's the deal there? Well, I, I'm starving. You know, I, I, I think, you know, not only me, but, you know, I wanted to come to a team that was hungry. And um, obviously this team has great potential. And um, But, you know, at the end of the day, we all want to win. And, um, you know, I want to win. And um, that's the ultimate goal. And, you know, that's what we're going to work towards. Can it be week one yet? Please, please, Tyron. We're excited. We're ready. <laughs> we are, too. We're happy you're here. Thanks so much. And uh, best of luck this year. Appreciate it. Thank you. Said it before, and I'll say it again. I was thrilled when I saw the news that J.J. Watt actually tweeted about the three honeypots. He was the one who broke the news. Last Friday at this time, 
Mark Vandermeer and I, we had we had an inkling that this possibly could happen. And so we were in the process of recording a show earlier in the day. Recording a second show, just in case. We had we had an alternate show for Saturday. And if you remember, or for uh, Friday night, from 6 to 7. And that was key, from 6 to 7. J.J. didn't break it, really. And then, of course, all the NFL scribes and uh, insiders, Adam Schefter in particular, broke the news about Tyron Matthew. That didn't happen until later in the evening, about 8, 30, 9 o'clock. So we went with the original show, but we had a backup show just in case Tyron had signed or decided to sign, and that news was coming out. So we've got a backup show somewhere on this computer that we had recorded just in case something happened. And we don't, we're not hooked up live, so we, we didn't have the opportunity to go live. We figured, you know what, well, let's just go with the show, the original show. We'll have the backup show if, if something happens, but then nothing happened. It got to 7 o'clock, like, okay, well, at that point, I remember thinking, boy, if we get to 7 o'clock at the end of the show and nothing's happened, it, yeah, maybe it's not going to happen. And then a couple hours later, I saw JJ's tweet. And then, of course, a few hours later, or a few minutes later, I should say, it was it was done. Tyron Matthew coming to Houston, past physical, has press conference, and then obviously right there you heard him talking with Drew Doherty. Now, earlier this week, probably I think it was maybe yesterday, maybe the day before, Sean Watson was on total access on the NFL Network with Lindsey Rhodes, talking about a, a number of things. In particular, when could we expect to see Deshaun back on the field? When does he think he's going to end up back on the field? And it was promising to say the least, but they hit on a number of different things with Lindsey Rhodes, the NFL Network. Here is your Houston Texans quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, boy, it is fun to watch you on the field. When are we going to get a chance to do that again? Um, hopefully for sure uh, this preseason, but for sure week one. I uh, should be full go and ready to go um, 100%. But, uh, you know, training camp for preseason, um, hopefully that's the, the release time where they can kind of cut me loose. OTAs? Uh, OTAs a little bit. Uh, I know for sure that I'll be doing, you know, some drills here and there and, and around the teammates and uh, doing a lot of different things. But, um, you know, we're just kind of going with the flow right now. I don't want to rush anything. We saw you running a video of you with J.J. Watt a couple of weeks ago, so I assume that that is the last box that you checked in your rehab. What's next? Uh, the next is, uh, you know, just perfecting my craft with my drops and my technique, uh, throwing the ball. Um, I've been throwing a little bit and doing some uh, little things here and there, uh, but, you know, we're just trying to, you know, take it here and there and, and not try to get, a, get ahead of each other or ourselves and, uh, you know, just manage that. Throwing with the guys or just throwing by yourself? Uh, no, I throw with some of the receivers. Um, that's around. Uh, a lot of guys coming back uh, this month, but uh, a lot, especially the guys that's working out at the facility and then the guys that's you know rehabbing, uh, like Tyler Irvin and even JJ's out there catching for me, uh, some of the guys that's around. What about the non-physical stuff? What do you think the biggest difference will be for you from year one to year two? Uh, I think the biggest difference is uh, defensive recognition, um, really mastering uh, what defenses are, are trying to do versus uh, not just myself, but the whole offense, what they're trying to do with, uh, you know, D-Hop, or they're trying to, you know, uh, you know bracket him, uh, what they're going to do with Will Fuller and what different things they try to, you know, create, you know, mistakes for us to, um, you know, do on the offensive side and, and really picking up with that. 
Did you talk to Tyron at all before he signed with you guys? Because it sounded like you factored into his decision whether you talked to him or not. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked here and there. Uh, and then when I, when I heard that, you know, he was leaving Arizona uh, and we were, you know, one of the top teams on his list, um, of course, you know, I sent him a message and saying, you know, we'll love to have you in H-Town um, and, and, and you can help us out. And then I seen him uh, yesterday also in the facility after he decided that he wanted to come, you know, to Houston. So uh, we always had a, a cool relationship. Um, you know, he's been a, a guy that I've always been looking up to since I was in high school. So it was awesome to kind of get him on, a, on the squad. What about the draft? You played in the ACC with Lamar Jackson. What kind of pro quarterback do you think that he'll end up being? I think Lamar would be great. Um, you know, that's, that's my opinion. Um, I think he has, um, you know, the tools and intangibles to, to come in the lead and, and perform at a high level. He can run. He's a dual threat. He can throw the ball. Makes, uh, has a quick release. Makes good decisions. And, um, you know, I think he can help uh, a professional team. And, of course, there's going to be things that, you know, he's going to be able to learn and pick up, and it's going to take some time, just like myself. But at the same time, I feel like he's going to be able to perform at a high level. And, uh, you know, he's a fan. Uh, I'm a fan of him. Um, I talk to him all the time, and, um, you know, best of luck to him. Uh, you hear the stuff that these guys are going through now. I'm sure you can relate in some ways, having gone through that just last season. Uh, what kind of advice would you give the quarterbacks that are uh, getting ready for the draft right now? Uh, the advice I give is keep an open mind. You never know what's going to happen. You may be going, think you're going top two or top five, and, you know, you might slide down to the, the late first round. Or you might be thinking that you're going to go day two and might go in the first round. So keep an open mind. Um, regardless of what happened, celebrate, enjoy, because this is an opportunity. Uh, it's, a, it's a life-changing moment. And, uh, you know, I just kept an open mind and knew I wanted to go to the best spot and left it in God's hands. And he sent me to Houston, which was the best, you know, thing I, that can happen to me. So uh, best of luck to all the guys that's in the draft and enjoy the, the process. I really enjoy that day. I know you're an Old Spice guy. For sure, I am. What are you doing with them? Uh, yeah, I'm here um, with Old Spice and, of course, you know, the, uh, the new captain smell. So today I'm their captain and uh, making sure that, you know, you know, promoting the new smell and, and having everyone, uh, you know, get the new smell and don't have to go, you know, buy the pricey bottles. They can just get it from Old Spice. Deshaun, looking forward to seeing what is next from you, sir. Uh, good to talk to you. Thanks so much for making time for us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'll never forget Draft Day 2017 when sitting up on the stage in a break, I hear the Texans have traded up, question mark. And at that point, all, all things just went crazy. It's still a little bit surreal. I admit that Deshaun Watson is a Texan. Almost even more surreal that Tyra Matthews is a Texan. But we'll get used to it. I guess we've got to see them all on the field together, and then it'll be very, very real. A big thanks to Drew, to Mark for stopping by, and mostly to you guys for listening. Thank you so much. Y'all have a great weekend. I'll see you on Monday. And as always, go Texans.